It's time! Introducing the podcaster, standing five feet nine inches tall, fighting out of the basement of his house. Welcome to the Mouth Podcast, the greatest sports podcast ever, presenting Timmy G! Back 2022, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to break down a little bit, give you a little bit of insight of Ryan Poles, who's the new general manager that got announced formally today, uh, which is really good, I think. Uh, And then kind of like where I think and hopefully he goes or at least dabbles into as far as the... uh, the head coaching and the staff around him, right? Um, just, just an FYI, you're never as good unless you have a good support system around you in any of these organizations, right? I mean, you have to have strong personnel on all areas of the departments you put together. And so it's a very, you know, it's, it's good to get Ryan Poles in, which I'll break down a little bit of like his experience, but he really has to bring in some strong-minded football people. Uh, to turn this ship around and and see what we could, you know, what the Bears can do here in the near future. But look, Ryan Poles, kind of the ground up, right? He was an offensive lineman at Boston College. Um, supposedly he's best friends with Matt Ryan. Um, so good for him. Really what that means, he, he's talking to players in the league. So that could be good from a, he's a younger guy too. I believe he's 36 years old. So it could help us from a, um, from a free agent standpoint, right? It's a, it's a player's league, obviously, and younger players and being able to relate to them, I think is, is very good, especially when you're in a general manager's position. And not only that, being able to work with their agents, things of that nature. But let's go back to Ryan Poles and a little bit about his experience, right? He spent the last 13 years with the Chiefs, right? And he worked his way up from the ground up. Like he was hired as a player personnel assistant in 2009, Then he went to college scouting, and then he became this college scouting coordinator, and then the director of college scouting. And then he became the assistant director of player personnel and executive director of player personnel. You're like, hey, Tim, that's fantastic. You just named all these bullshit titles he had. But here's really what the the substance of this. He's been looking at players and evaluating them from the ground up, right? Uh, And what I mean by that is just he's going to have a very good sense of being able to understand, you know, not only, you know, what these college players are capable of, he's going to know how to approach them too. Like a lot of player, a lot of thing or outsiders, right? Normal fans, they think just like, oh my gosh, I watched this guy and, and he was really good on the field. But like, look, what if he was a pain in the ass? What if his work ethic sucked? But he was good, Tim, and his work ethic sucked. Yeah, well, you need to have be good and have a good work ethic because you're only going to get so far in the NFL. And why I bring that up, that's something that it seems like Ryan has experience in, and he's going to be able to talk to them, ask the right questions, probably has some pretty good relationships within the college ranks just because he's worked for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is an elite organization, and everyone wants to talk to the best, right? Also... He was um, on the, you know, in charge of college scouting 
in 2017 when, yes, the Bears passed on Patrick Mahomes, which, no offense, no one knew besides apparently this guy, uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, we took, uh, you know, we took Mitch. But regardless, um, I think that he's going to be able to come in with a fresh mindset. The other thing I really liked um, about him is that they gave him a lot of good report around in the trenches. And what I mean by that is offensive linemen, defensive linemen, he has a very good grasp on that of college scouting. So that makes me excited. Um, Another thing that really excites me about this is every single year since pretty much every single year, regardless, since he's been on there, Kansas City has looked at their best players and supported them, right? And what I mean by that is getting wide receivers for Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Also, in addition, being able to um, go out there and get offensive linemen. Everyone watched the Super Bowl last year. Tampa Bay just beat the hell out of him. Patrick Mahomes is running for his life. Well, guess what? He survived, and now this year he's in the AFC Championship, which I'll talk in a minute. But regardless, it doesn't really matter of what you've done in the past. It's what you do in the future, right? So we'll see what he he can bring to the table. He comes from a winning organization, and I know one thing that kills me is like, yes, we had Matt Nagy, but guys and gals, look at this. And he came from the Chiefs. And so people are like kind of bringing that in, even though they're two two different positions. Matt Nagy actually did not call a wide range of plays for a majority of the time he was on the Chiefs. And what I mean by that is if you're only calling plays for 20% of the games you coach in, you're not really doing that much. And I think the league was kind of tricked by Andy Reid, to be very honest with you. That's why I think Eric Benet who's the offensive coordinator right now for the Kansas City Chiefs, hasn't gotten off, hasn't gotten a job yet. One, he must suck really bad at interviewing. But also, it's like everyone knows who the guru is over there. One, you got Patrick Mahomes. He's just a differentiator. Uh, second of all is that you got Andy Reid. And Andy Reid's calling the plays. I don't care what anyone wants to say. Andy Reid's done this a long time, very successful. Now, I did hear whispers about the Kansas City Chiefs having some different play calling in the beginning of the year. Their offense kind of sucked. Pretty much no Andy Reid's calling all the plays. And if he's not calling them, you go check the highlight. It appears that Travis Kelsey is calling those plays on that. Uh, 13 seconds left, he called those two two plays that he saw open in uh, on the Bills' defense. But regardless, I think change was necessary in Chicago. I uh, wish nothing but the best for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. But look, like I said in the beginning of the season, I was never happy with them. The one thing I think the Bears did was uh, what Ryan Pace did. He got too excited when when um, when we would have, you know, like Tyree Cohen. He, he was good, right? We got too excited and we signed him to an extension, you know, a year and a half after he was good. Also, um, uh, I, I want to say the guy's name, Jesus, Eddie Jackson. We gave him an extension and paid him after two years. And, you know, people can say whatever they want. It's like, you got to prove you're good in multiple systems. And I thought his play dropped off when we first lost Vic Fangio. I thought that, you know, you need to be patient with these guys. You don't need to go in there and get pressured by the agents just to sign them with big contracts. You know, be good for three years. 
Everyone could be good one year, two year, but be good for three years. You're signing four or five year contracts and you're getting paid pretty hefty as a rookie. So I think that, you know, a good GM waits, being able to have them on those rookie contracts as long as possible. And don't jump the gun because you want to see if these players are going to be good for multiple years, not just a flash in the pan. And that's one thing I hope that Ryan Poles is able to do. He's obviously young. I think he'll be bringing some different energy, I'm hoping. But, you know, like I talked to one of my brothers today, I don't give a shit if they hired Joe Smo. I need Joe Smo to make some significant contributions to the Chicago Bears. I don't give a shit what he did with the Chiefs. You know, a lot of people are getting credit for Patrick Mahomes, Tim, and Patrick Mahomes is, you know, one of very few, right? He's a one percenter. So we'll see what happens, um, but I, I am very excited and we'll see what happens. Now, um, one other thing is that I am concerned about is that, uh, you know, you think of teams that are in the final four or even the top eight, to be honest with you. You think of the Buffalo Bill or, well, here, here let's break down the final four, ladies and gentlemen. And, and this will be important because we haven't hired a head coach, but we've heard of all the people that we're, we've interviewed, right? We're interviewing um Jim Cardwell, I mean, dude, that guy's 67 years old. And I'm not trying to discriminate against elderly people, but like, dude, you haven't coached in two years. And the last time you were assistant coach and kind of a quarterback coach for Miami, obviously, if you were worth a damn, you'd have still been there because they've had nothing but issues around the quarterback position. That's why Brian Flores got fired and why they didn't make the playoffs, even though they had 10 wins. If they played two of the whole time, they would have made the playoffs. But Let's, so I do not want Jim Cardwell, plus he coached the Lions. Anyone that coached the Lions, I feel like they put their head in a bag of dog shit and um, you know never got their head out. So I do not want that gentleman. But let's think of it. The Kansas City Chiefs, right? They're in it. They're the final four. Guess what? They have an offensive coach, Andy Reid. Okay, who are they playing? Oh, they're playing the Bengals. Guess who the Bengals have? An offensive coach. Okay, two for two. All right, let's go now to the L.A. Rams. They got Sean McVay, offensive coach. Okay, cool, Tim. Now let's go to the next player, the 49ers. Oh, what do they have, Tim? NFL coach. How do you beat the Packers? You use your offensive philosophy. You have Trent Williams running around on a sweep and knocking the shit out of the defensive end so you can open up a hole. So what I'm getting at is defense used to be the way. We used to be the mad men of the Midwest. We got to change that. Listen, you have to adapt to what your industry is bringing to the table. And right now, the NFL is a offensive league. Well, Tim, you know, not every team. No, yes, 90% of teams that are successful are, are driven on their offense. They have good quarterbacks, right? They all have good quarterbacks, too. So, I mean, you have offensive coaches, but you have Joe Burrow. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Matthew Stafford. People can say whatever they want, but Matthew Stafford's been a cold killer as far as I mean athletically and arm strength since before he went to Georgia and then you got Jimmy G and now I understand well Jimmy G this and that listen Kyle you know the same way Eli Manning's got two rings you don't always have to be the prettiest at your job as long as you could do your job and listen Jimmy G's been a lot more successful than any quarterback we've had in the last 30 years. And the guy did play at Eastern Illinois, so give the guy a break. But I really would like to see Ryan Poles be able to 
go in there and maybe bring one or two of his guys. Now, I did hear that we might be in the final talks with Dan Quinn. We'll wait to see, and, and when that happens, I'll break it down. But at this point, let's let's just enjoy. There's been some change. Um, we didn't go with any, you know, old football mind. This has been a guy that's been grinding, and I like that, from the ground up, and can maybe build his own legacy. And listen, no one knows what the future holds. I don't know if this guy's going to be any good or if he got over, you know, his resume got promoted because, you know, they had Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they got some pretty badass players in the Kansas City Chiefs. So even you're, you're, you have a, you have more of a chance to have a bigger error, right? Without anyone noticing, you can mess up a few times and no one's going to blink an eye because you have gone through three uh, AFC championships, back-to-back Super Bowls. So, I mean, you're getting away with some stuff that the average folk is not. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm extremely excited that it seems going that way. Now, will I be extremely bummed out if we go out and hire Jim Carwell? Yes, I will say this has been a George McCassie planted you know, they grabbed this kid because he's a puppet and he's just getting his feet wet. And now they gave us this, you know, they gave us like a, you know, they gave us a Tesla controlled car. That's what they would give us because the Tesla looks all nice. It's controlled, but it does have accidents, right? I don't know. It's probably not a good analogy, but regardless, what I'm saying is I think the beers are making, making steps and, and hopefully I know we don't have a first round pick. You know, we'll see what he can do with the roster. I mean, the roster has a lot of different things and changes that are coming. But but let's get to something a little bit different. We talked about the Bears for 13 minutes. Let's keep it moving. Last five minutes, I want to talk about Sean Payton. Man, Sean Payton steps away. Hell yeah, he stepped away. He met with the owners, and the GM was like, hey, we gave Taysom Hill like $100 million, and the guy's a bum. He can't throw well. He's a good football player, but he's not a quarterback of the future that's going to get you into the Super Bowl. Just not going to happen. Also, Sean Payton, 15 years in New Orleans, he stepped down because that team is going to be absolute dog shit for the next three years. And I believe some decisions were made without him really being on top of it. Plus, how much drama did you want to deal with Michael Thomas? That guy's been a pain in the ass since he signed his extension. Talking all negative about Sean Payton and the, the staff and then waiting the last minute to get an ankle surgery and things of that nature. Um, and if you watched any Saints games and you really watched them, right? I really watched them because I had traded for Elvin Kamara on my fantasy team and I truly watched And I'm not going to say, but that dude's body language was like, this dude doesn't want to play. Now, I would never say that about anyone. I mean, anyone can look like they're having a bad day, but I just didn't see that. Like, I'm just like, these guys just look miserable. They really did. Like, just the New Orleans Saints in general. And I'm not just talking about that Monday night game with Ian Book because he had a horrible outing. I'm just talking... In general, just keeping my eye on that. And obviously, a lot of that was due to fantasy football and having some ownership on Elvin Kamara, which I did end up losing because he couldn't get me one extra point. But that's not his fault. It's probably my fault for trading for him. But then you got the uh, games coming up, which are very exciting, right? You got the Bengals. It's like 
you know, oh my gosh, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, you know, Jamar Chase, who's a nasty mother lover. And then you got the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You got the new brother trying to beat up the old brother. And I'm not going to lie, I'm the oldest of eight. So I plan on having being the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they win by 10. Now, here's where I think you can come down to an important game, ladies and gentlemen. Is the honey badger playing? Well, Tim, one player doesn't make a difference. No, no, no. It does. The honey badger is the attitude of that secondary. Also, his instincts are second to none. This dude's towards ACL twice, and you would think he was the fastest dude on the field by not by speed, by because he's in the right spot at the right time all the time. And with this type of weapons, with uh, Tyler Boyd, with Trey H- or uh, with with Higgins, and then with Jamar Chase, and with Burrow, and then with Mixon. Uh, and then they're mixing in with the uh, tight end. I mean, Cincinnati's got a ridiculous uh, wide receiver core that's pretty clear, so you need a good secondary. And if I think if they get Honey Badger back for this game, I think it'll be at home, Kansas City, this type of big game. I think it might be a little bit too early. I think the, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are one or two years away. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win by 10. But you know what? I also thought the Bengals would lose two other games, and they didn't. So I don't know that much. So we'll see. Should be an entertaining game. And then you got the 49ers against the Rams. I just brought up big brother, little brother. Kyle Shanahan's owned Sean McVay. I think he's 7-0 and against Sean McVay. It's like this dude is just bullying him at this point. But really it's going to come down to is the Rams really are hitting on all cylinders right now. They got a healthy defense, and they don't seem like they have any like really banged up guys. I think they're getting their offensive uh, tackle back, um, but their defense and Von Miller's really hitting it at all cylinders. Uh, talk about a receiving core. They got Cooper Cup, and and OBJ's looked like a brand new toy, right? I mean, obviously Baker with his shoulder, just really shit the bed there with OBJ, not connecting to him. And I think he's just, outside of uh, getting Bitcoin as his contract, I think OBJ's transition to the Rams has been pretty good. But I think the, I think it's hard to beat a team so many consecutive times and also three times in one year because the Rams already lost twice to the 49ers. I think the Rams are actually going to win this. I do believe it's going to be a close game um, because the Rams don't seem to be able to close the door on anyone. Hence, last week they're up 27-3. And I know it's Tom Brady, but it's like, man, you're just making mental errors out there to uh, you know cause them to – as much as Tom Brady was doing the right things, it was also the errors of the Rams. Um but really looking forward to uh, two great games. Like I said, I think it'll be the Chiefs against the Rams. Um, but you never know. I mean, I guess I guess both the Bengals and the 49ers are super dangerous teams. And they're kind of – the 49ers remind me of the Eli Giants. And I know a lot of people are going to say that, but they really are. They're winning games they're not supposed to win. They're winning in a – a, like a dirty manner, and what I mean by that is they're grinding it out. Every game's a grind. Um, and, and then the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals could put up 40 points on you, and, you, and, and so can the Chiefs, but uh, you, you've seen the Chiefs a couple times get, you know, 
kind of uh, a little bit, uh, you know, lazy at times or like, hey, we already should win this game. But but regardless, two phenomenal football games you're going to be able to check out on Sunday with, you know, for the most part, pretty decent quarterbacks, I would say. And that's something hopefully the one common denominator, I would say, is, uh, you know, they're all offensive minds and and I hope the Bears go into that watching that I mean even last week right the only defensive minded person out there I, I gotta look up Sean McDermott he might have been a defensive guy it was just uh just the coach of the Titans um which I can't even think of his name right now um man he was a defensive uh, lineman for for the Patriots Jesus but anyways for the most part all these coaches are offensive coaches and the Bears I don't think they've coached uh I don't think outside of the guy from the Packers which supposedly they might interviewed they haven't talked to many offensive minds so that's one thing that worries me but at the end of the day um it doesn't matter what you've done in the past as long as you come ready and you get a good staff I also why I'm really big on getting an offensive mind I think you can overpay and get Vec Fangio now you'd say, well, Vic Fangio might not come here. You don't know. He's out of coaching right now. And what if you threw a lot of money at him for an assistant coach and made him the defensive coordinator and also the assistant coach? Listen, he has familiarity. Mac had his best year ever. Um, in addition, um, most of our defensive players on the team outside of Robert Quinn had their best years under him. And what I mean by that is Eddie Jackson – Kind of disappeared since Vic left. I also do believe that he can young corners. He knows how to use young corners, which is something that we're we're missing on the Bears side. So like I would love like a uh, Brian uh, Brian Dalo, I believe his name is. He's the offensive coordinator uh, for the Bills. I think him and Vic Fangio. I mean, honestly, I do believe that could be a. Uh, kind of a, you know, a Super Bowl run type of coaching staff. And, and they're not going to win it in the first year. It's going to maybe take two or three years while you have Justin Fields. You surround him with some some good playmakers. But but look at um, Brian's thing. I just want to tell you, I don't even understand how this guy still a doesn't have a job. And, and also, I am horrible at pronouncing guys, uh, people's names. It's uh, Dablo. Brian Dablo, I believe. Anyways, this guy has worked for these coaches, okay? He's worked for Bill Belichick. He's worked for uh, Eric Mangini. And Eric Mangini was a pretty damn good offensive uh, offensive mind. He's worked for uh, um, Nick Saban and actually won a national championship. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator. And he worked with, guess what? He coached both Jalen Hurts and Tua. Why this is important, and guess what? Now he's working with Josh Allen. This gentleman has experience with younger uh, quarterbacks. And why that's important is because, one, we have Justin Fields. We drafted him 10th overall. We need him to be successful. Every scout across the country loved him. So let's keep it moving. Let's get him rocking and rolling. And the other thing is, I just want to let you know, go back a little correction, because I do not do any editing. Shout out to me. It's one take. Everyone knows the rules. Um, McDermott was a defensive coordinator. He was actually a defensive coordinator like back in the Panthers and stuff, and they got hired back in 2017 to run the Bills. But listen, 
we need to hire Brian. Uh, we'll just call him Brian D. Okay. Um, the guys worked for the the best coaches, and the same credit that we're giving Ryan Poles, we got to give the Brian D. And the reason why is if when you're working under the best that ever done it, and you're being retained by them, and you're being respected by them, you're doing things, you're gathering traits from them, you're being able to get experience of how they run the show, how they're running practices, how they're having their support system around them, you know what their preparation is. These are things that are super important. Also, I mean, the Bills have been pretty good. He's also utilized. Now, now just check this out real quick. And I know I'm going on a tangent about this guy, but um, he knows how to use, utilize the offense, right? You know, Knox wasn't the best tight end in the league, but he's pretty good. We got that already um, with one of my neighbors. Shout out to the me living in a the same block as my man uh, from Notre Dame. But then you got like Mooney, right? Mooney could do the same thing Gabriel Davis did, run up the seams, be an outside wide receiver. But what we're missing is our number one, right? We need Diggs in that offense. We can get Diggs. Uh, I mean, not Diggs himself, but I think that the wide receiver free agents, we can go out and look for them. And that's something that, you know, if we get someone, maybe we could do that. I know we're not going to get Devontae Adams. You never know, though, if you overpay for him and what's-his-name leaves. But you got Chris Godwin. He is coming off an ACL. Um, but you got you know a guy named like Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. I think he could still play. You got Mike Williams, um, who's going to be a free agent. So you have these different players. I mean, I would overpay and give the world to Devontae Adams. I don't give a shit. Um, what anyone says, if, if, if we somehow were able to get him, um, you never say never because, uh, you know, he is only, uh, 29 years old and he's just so dominant. You just never know if, if Aaron Rodgers leaves and Devante wants a young quarterback and he likes the Midwest. I mean, shit, he's only got to come over like, you know, an hour to Chicago, Chris Godwin, the ACL can scares me but the guy's only 25 turning 26 um but you really got to do your due diligence on that and then can you get a deal like a like a mike williams a mike williams is like a, a really good he's a, he's more of a number two and we already kind of had that with mooney but you know i don't know um you see what you can you, you can get out there also you can maybe you know get a guy like a Will Fuller, but that guy can't stay healthy, so I won't even bring him up. Um, but, I mean, you, you see what you could do with an offense, you know, bring in three weapons. But I really just wanted to give, you know, random thoughts about the NFL, uh, random thoughts about the playoffs, and then kind of just talk a little bit about Ryan Poles. Like I said, just because you sign a contract doesn't make you, you know, anything, but um, – at the end of the day, he, he's worked around a successful organization. He's worked around young players. He's worked under successful general managers. And I think that it was, uh, at least on paper, it seems pretty well. As long as he brings those traits that he learned and, and he brings them over and he's able to get a good a good coach and, and, and also the personnel and the scouting department he creates and, and really hopefully gets a lot of flexibility um, from Ted Phillips and the, the McCaskey family to, to really run this organization like he wants to. Um, 
But yeah, we don't have an old head in there. We got a 36-year-old that's been in the grind for the last 13 years, and we'll see if he can shine. Now, you also have to give a GM minimum of three years to see how these players mature. Um, you can judge it. I, I do believe you can judge a GM based on their free agent signings within the first year. Now, the other thing is Robert Quinn looked like a horrible signing by Ryan Pace. And who knew that guy was going to be super depressed by COVID? He was. The restrictions, you know, whatever his outlet was, however we are setting him up in, in Chuck Pagano's defense. Uh, we ran, went back to more of that Vic Fangio type of offense um, under Sean Descent. So, I mean, uh, you, you, I guess as long as we're out of the COVID space, I mean, most of the players that we're signing should fit the offensive or defensive system that we're running, where it was like it didn't seem like Chuck uh, utilized Robert Quinn because obviously he just broke the record for the most sacks ever and was a phenomenal player. And it seemed like his mental health was good. He talked a couple times about that. That's why I brought that up, just COVID affecting him and it being a weird season. Um, it's also, what do we do with Khalil Mack? If we bring Vic Fangio back, I say keep Khalil Mack if he's going to hurt the cap anyway. If you trade him, keep him on the squad and run back Robert Quinn and, and, and Khalil Mack. I mean, you don't need all pro corners because you should be getting pressure on the quarterback and in return quick passes and errant passes to corners can pick off. And, and if they do get beat a little bit, they can recover based on the pressure on that quarterback. So we'll see what happens. Um, also, I think uh, Ryan Poles knows to surround Mr. Fields with a lot of different weapons. So, um, and I'm also looking, I just want another thing is before, and I want this to be on record, is that I think Cole Komet is going to have a breakout uh, third year. I know he had 60 catches this year, but he had some critical drops and, and things of that nature. And the offense just wasn't clicking under Nagy. I don't know what the hell. I mean, it, it just was a trash offense. I don't know where the philosophy was. I don't know who's calling plays, but they're all gone. And now we're on to the new and let's focus on the positivity. Let's see what happens in the next few days around the coaching staff. But uh, you have a phenomenal day. Enjoy the games this weekend. And if the Bears sign someone, I will be jumping on. Take it easy.